Welcome to the Grip City Golf Podcast, your source for new information, insightful interviews, and good old-fashioned banter about golf in Portland, Oregon. Today's episode is presented by Brink and Brown Sanitation. Introducing the hosts of Grip City Golf, Andy Dirk Johnson and Eric Peterson. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Welcome in episode 22 of the Grip City Golf Podcast. We are live on location. This is not a Zoom uh, episode. We're live out here at Persimmon Country Club looking out at the beautiful... Mount Hood, what's going on, EP? How we doing, buddy? Good, man. I mean, this we need to record out here more often. <laughs> this should be like the permanent studio. I think we got to talk to Zach and Shanley. Just kind of, you know, put up a little banner in here and make this our permanent home. Have, for people who have played <laughs> here, you have to agree that this is one of, if not the best view golf course. Totally is. Yeah. You got starting on two, basically, you're looking directly out. And then from then on out, you got like seven or eight holes that probably have different mountain views and the elevations. You can see them all over the Northwest. It's beautiful. And we kind of have a persimmon themed episode today. So we're coming up in a bit. We're going to have probably the most random and interesting guest that we've ever had on the podcast. He is Sheriff John Bunnell. If you don't know that name, uh, it'll make sense in a moment. But he was the, the, the voice actor behind World's Wildest Police Videos. He did Cops. He's been in Bad Sam. Family guy. Uh, and when you hear the voice, you'll recognize it. So, John Bennell's coming up in a moment. And then at the end of the interview, we're going to try and help your golf game. And Chad Fribley, who is the director of instruction out here at Persimmon, he's going to hop on. We'll talk to him about his playing career and uh, see if we can get a couple of tips for you so you can improve that handicap because I know that is the uh, never ending goal. Let's start with the big news that has happened since the last time we taped an episode EP, and that is that Red Tail might be turning into a Major League Baseball ballpark. When I saw that, man, like, <laughs> and it was it's funny because golf news in in the portland area it's i mean i don't know besides griff city golf really what there is this is all there is baby so so it was kind of a it was third page back back page kind of story in the the business landscape or news landscape in portland but i do think that the portland diamond project and the pursuit of major league baseball in portland is a hot button issue yeah and so when those two paths diverged and it became kind of a pseudo golf story I mean, my ears were certainly perked. And when I saw that Redtail was potentially a, a, a venue of interest, I just, I just, my, my mind immediately was like, I, I just started thinking about, okay, going to a baseball game near Redtail, mm-hmm. I just started thinking about traffic logistics and how you'd get there and things like that. And it just didn't make a lot of sense. But then, no. but then I, then I was thinking about Redtail and how that that's a, you know, a golf course is a big piece of land which, you know, you need the land, right? That's been one of the big hurdles to get over. And you guys have talked about this on your show, but... Apartments and complexes, I mean, there's parking, just, there's a lot. You need a lot of property, right? Yeah. And so I, I just thought, wow, that's kind of interesting. And I, but it was just so kind of unbelievable and out of nowhere that I didn't really know what to make of it. I don't know. What, do you, what did you think when you first saw that? I mean, my first thought was one of all the places to put a ballpark, that's not a location that I would be excited about. Like, I, I, you can't I mean, be picky at this point. Like, a, hey, enough God, of a mess. No, thank you. I don't want to go over there. And then I also did think, like, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to bat. Redtail has an awesome operation. If there was going to be a city course that you shut down, Redtail would be the one that I'm like, okay. Like, I'm not losing a lot of sleep over it. I think all the other city courses provide a little bit more for me from a golf angle. Now, Redtail is known for the retail, for the driving range, for the instruction. Like, there's a lot of things that they bring. But that was my other thought, too, was that area or just that shopping, you know, the, the, the retail stuff that they do there, they make so much damn money. That's like one of the biggest golf retail areas of the or stores that you can go to in the area for fit club fitting for anything. And so I just, that was the other thought I had of, are, you, are they giving up that business? Who's buying that business out? Is that business still going to be there if this happens? Like, just how you gonna- navigate that, it's wild they're gonna move it to east moreland so So we get rid of the old marshall's old navy sweatshirts that what you're telling me i don't get those anymore the old organ duck ones yeah it's i mean there's a lot of things that would have they would have to happen and you and i talked earlier about okay well then what is the real reason we think that that came out and and our thought was that maybe they're using that to just leverage the lloyd center property because if if you're bidding on something if there's only one option that you're interested in the person who's selling it is going to be rubbing their hands together, right? So, Look at the Miami Heat and the Portland Trailblazers yeah, right now. There's not a lot of leverage. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that that's what I think is probably the yeah. real reason that came out is because they just are trying to, to get the, the process over at Lloyd Center moving, which if that's the case, that's a good thing, right? I mean, Absolutely. I feel like, well, then maybe there's, there's more of a, a light at the end of that tunnel because it does honestly feel like this 
this Portland Dimer Project thing is a t-shirt company that just won't go away. <laughs> and I, I, I hope that there's, there's light. And this isn't a baseball pod, so we don't even need to get into that part of it. No, it just was a weird intersection of golf and, was, and MLB to Portland. It was pretty weird. Yeah, it, I, I'm with you. It's, it reeks to me of leverage. I don't see that being a realistic chance i think the city is pretty all in on lloyd center being the spot and they they desperately need a win and to get out of the headlines of we're giving away like drug paraphernalia hey we got a major league baseball team let's get a little pr win i think they would love to have uh, uh red tail happen i did want to throw a random one actually i forgot to bring this up before the pod but we had andrew that tweeted us this week a picture that was too good to pass up and it was a picture that he took on a golf course <laughs> and it was of a guy wearing knee-high socks on the course with shorts. And the question was basically, is the long sock look a good look? I say no, but what are the worst golf looks on a course? I think we can unequivocally say long socks, faux pas. You can't do that. I put that up socks? there with cargo shorts. Okay, that's about in the same line. And that leads to the question is, what is your biggest golf fashion faux pas that you see? Like if, if you saw somebody doing that with their fashion, you would immediately look at them and laugh at them. Or not laugh, but just judge. It used <laughs> silently. To be, it used to be straight up old school Wrangler denim jeans. <laughs> yeah. But then I've played with some guys at like the men's club at East Moreland or maybe at like yeah. Rose City, some of these blue collar courses that you see that all the time. And so that's kind of worn <laughs> off. So I played with a guy abandoned dunes one time in denim jeans. Where where did he come? He from? was a Coos random Bay? it was me and it, it was, was a Coos Bay, local Coos Bay guy came over and I'm just like, All right, here we go. Go. Wrangler. <laughs> I think uh, to answer your question, I would say cargo shorts is pretty off-putting to me. Yeah, I think that reeks of you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> Can we get a pair of golf? They're comfy. Yeah, but and and it's interesting how much golf fashion has evolved just in the last 10, 15 years, yeah. where you can wear a hoodie now on tour. And yeah, there's a lot of things that maybe 10, 15 years ago were totally unacceptable that are now normal not only are they acceptable they're normal i mean people wear running shoes i mean a lot of nike's golf shoes are yeah. they they're they look like running shoes or basketball shoes for right. god's sake so there's nothing really fashion wise that would really put me off more than cargo shorts but knee high socks i've never <laughs> i'd never seen that before that photo that's pretty bad it's not a good look i think the only one that can top cargo shorts for me don't be you know like the people that wear like the keychain that have their keys dangling from their belt when I see somebody having one of those with their golf towel, like dangling from their belt, I, I judge you immediately. That, Don't the people do that? I saw a guy out here actually one time that was doing that, and I was playing with somebody. I just turned and I said, if I ever get to that point fashion-wise on the course that I'm dangling a towel, like it's the one thing to take a towel with you to the green because you want to clean your ball. Like that's, that's totally normal. But permanently dangling from your belt? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge you endlessly. What if, what if also there was one of those bead counters, you know, where you notch a bead down to count <laughs> That's one. That's two. I think if you saw that guy out here, you need to tell him that you're going to call the sheriff and, yeah, and get calling, him out of here yeah, immediately. Get John Bunnell on his ass. He's going to arrest you. Uh, we do have a lot to get to on this episode. Uh, quick thoughts, any on the Open Championship? You got any picks? You excited? Well, at the time of this recording, and, and they're way ahead time zone anyways, I think Rory finished, and he's at or near the lead. And he so was, yeah. All of a sudden, and he obviously did well at the U.S. Open as well so and he was what two shots i mean probably should have won the open championship last year yeah exactly and so i know that he's the guy we keep talking about him with each major and i know that you're the number one fan um but i <laughs> i just think that when you see a guy like that play well at the scottish open the week before and that's why those guys play that tournament to yeah. kind of get ready um i i mean if if he ends up winning this week he's got to be the the favorite next week yeah. right you would imagine scotty scheffler probably a name too his run of being top 15 in tournaments, and Scotty Scheffler, by the way, shot a, we're recording this on Friday, depending on when you're listening, shot a 65 today. It's like his consistency is something we have not seen since Tiger Woods. He just hasn't racked up the wins like he maybe did last year. Um, okay, before we get to anything else, I got a listener question to get to. Want to remind you guys on Monday, August 7th, coming up, we are teaming up in case you missed it on the last pod or you don't follow us on social media. Monday, August 7th, we got a special tournament with our friends at Northwest Golf Guys. And uh, Eric and I are playing. We cannot wait. It's going to be a noon shotgun start. The deadline to register is on August 1st. So you've got a couple more weeks to do it. And it's going to be out here at Persimmon Country Club. There's going to be payouts for net winners, gross winners, 
in your flight, KP, there's a skins game that you can enter, uh, golf, uh, obviously the cart and the range balls are all included, and uh, it's an individual stroke play event, but we've been wanting to put this on for a while and just wanted to send out a reminder to everybody. I think we're getting about halfway to filling up the old tournament roster, so I know some people wait till the last second. I usually do, but the deadline to sign up, want to remind you, is on uh, August 1st, and the tournament is on August 7th, and we hope to see you all out here at Persimmon Country Club. Are we going to have betting lines open for over-under on your score and my score? Should I think we need to. I think we need to do that. I've only played this course once, and it's kind of hard. If you What'd you shoot? You shot a 80? Something like that. Something, yeah. You played pretty well. You have one of the cooler shots I've ever seen on number eight. You hooked a tee shot. It's a short par four. You hooked a tee shot up onto the 12th green, and you then were forced to have a conversation with a group that was going through the 12th hole, and it's about, it was about a 20-foot drop-off, not a lot of room to miss, and you flopped one down onto the green perfect and made par. <laughs> I think you stole a lone wolf point from me there because I also parred after hitting the fairway and green and two putting, I, and I, I was very pissed. I wish I could say that I didn't play well that day because I'd never played the course. I didn't play particularly well because I just was quack hooking it left on, on eight. <laughs> It'll happen from time to shots time. Shots like you know? that. But this course is awesome. I'm excited to play a tournament, and it's always fun to stand over a, a breaking six-footer when it actually matters. 100%. They have live leaderboards up. If you haven't played, Northwest Golf Guys are the best, man. You know if you listen to the pod, we love those guys. And so uh, really excited to partner with them and uh, to play in that tournament Monday, August 7th, and we hope to see you out here. Before we get to the sheriff, because we can't keep a sheriff waiting, I do want to get to two quick listener questions. So we got these on uh, on Twitter, at Grip City Golf. Give us a follow. Uh, this one was from Sean, good listener of the pod. He said, when playing with a foursome and opting to place a friendly wager on the round, what's your go-to format for competition? I think it just depends on handicaps. Okay. It depends on, how do I know these people? And if the answers to some of those initial kind of looking, taking a survey of the scene are, are questionable, I like to figure that out on the second tee. So see how the first hole goes and then we'll negotiate. Because people talk and they've, oh, my handicap is this. Yeah. And they say that they're that. And that, but you really, you learn a lot on that first hole. <laughs> totally. Okay? And so I think my answer to that would be, I'll check back with me on the second tee. Okay, see how the game looks. I'm always a big proponent of a good high-low game. High-low, to me, it's match play, so you can blow up, and it just loses you one point. You go on to the next hole, and then you're matched up essentially with one golfer on the other team on every hole. And it's a different golfer because sometimes you're the low and you're the high, and it can rotate, and there's two points on the line. I think high-low is a good way to do it. Strokes-wise, it's a little bit easier to figure out because it's just a, you know not an overall score thing where it's like, all right, i got to give this guy how many shots? And so, to me, high-low is an easy way to go. And uh, he also asked, in honor of Ricky getting back in the winner's circle, who is the most overrated player on the PGA Tour? Wait, meaning that he was the most overrated before he got back in? That is kind of... That's a bit of a shot at Ricky. So who's the most overrated player on tour? I think it's Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right? Every I, mean, time, I mean, it's like he, he farts, and we think that he's coming back and he's going to win the next major. You're not wrong. I'm trying to th- – that's a really tough question to answer. Because one of the guys that honestly is kind of coming to mind right now is Justin Thomas. But well, he won a major last year. Yeah, but, and he's struggling right now. Yeah. It's hard, man. When you get paid, and, and I think he just got engaged or married recently, your life and, yeah. changes. I think that not to – not to uh, poo-poo on your guy, but I feel like in majors, Rory... Rory's had that for sure. I mean, we keep waiting for him to win, and he hasn't won one in, what, nine years? I think we're going on almost 10 years, How yeah. Many ma- so we're talking 36 or 40 majors yeah. since he won his last one? Yeah. Most overrated guy on tour. Okay, hold on. I'm scrolling through right now. I'm seeing if any names stand out. You know who's somebody that I love that I feel like maybe is a little bit overrated is uh, Tommy Fleetwood. Fairway Jesus. I feel like Tommy Fleetwood's in a lot of conversations. Has he ever won on the PGA Tour? I don't know if he has a single win. Yeah, I think he won the port, like some event on the PGA Tour, but it wasn't in the United States. That's, that's one that would come to my mind, but that's a tough question. And also, Sean, you know what? No, R- Ricky Fowler is not overrated, okay? Maybe he was for like two months, but now he's back, baby, and he's doing good. Um, okay, let's get to the guest of honor. Are you excited to talk to a, a law-abiding sheriff? I'm intimidated, but I'm excited. <laughs> I mean, if you look at his face, and I, and I got to tell you this too, like when I told friends that we we're who we we're having on this pod, like most people didn't know it just by the name, 
but you text them the picture of like a screenshot from World's Wildest Police Videos, <laughs> and they just their immediate response is OMG, LOL. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> so, and that was pretty fun. And and once we started talking with him, it's yeah, like, it's incredible. This guy. So I, as a member out here at Persimmon, I I linked up when I was hanging out, getting ready to start the pod, and we wanted to have Persimmon involved in the podcast this year. And so I came out to meet up with Zach, and he was like, Yeah, let's come out and play some golf. And, and Zach's a GM out here. He's a great guy. And he said, well, we got, I got a couple of randoms that we're going to play with today. And I said, oh, okay, that's you know, cool. Totally, you know, bring a couple of other members out. We'll have some fun. And uh, Mike was one of them who was an absolute stick, and he took me to the woodshed that day. The other one was Sheriff John Bunnell. And I wasn't quite sure what to expect. And Zach put him up to when I pulled up to the, the putting green to basically act as if he listens to the show. And so I walk up, and he, he told John to tell me, hey, your voice sounds familiar. Do I know you from somewhere? And I was like, of course, my ego is like, yeah, man, I'm on the radio. It's a big deal. And Zach, of course, had put him up to saying that. And then I slowly started to realize who he was and his voice being one that I recognized. And it was 18 holes of crazy stories and so i thought this is a perfect dude for the podcast easily the most famous person we've ever had on the podcast eric this tops everything we've ever done sheriff john bunnell due to the graphic nature of this program viewer discretion is advised crime criminals and the cops who stop them this is the real thing we have gathered footage from around the world from crimes in progress news investigations undercover stings and surveillance cameras much of this footage has never before been seen, from chases to shootouts. This show will take you for a walk on the wild side. I'm Sheriff John Bunnell. 25 years in law enforcement taught me to be ready for anything. From high-speed pursuits to deadly shootouts, the only sure thing an officer will face is danger. We're going to show you real cops in dangerous situations. So get ready for the ride of your life. Sheriff, before we get to anything else related, we got to start how we start with all of our guests, okay. and that is uh, your home course, which I know what it is, but you can let the listeners know your handicap and what clubs are you playing? What clubs are in your bag? Well, I let's save the handicap or the uh, handicap for last because uh, some people might be listening that I play against, and I don't know what a real <laughs> handicap is. I already ticked them off. Uh, we're a beautiful persimmon out in East County. Course, it was opened up about 23, 24 years ago. Uh, at which time I did join. I think I was the first member to join out here. And uh, member number one. Member number member number one. Actually, it's member number 001. That <laughs> gives it more validity, doesn't it? it do, you, does. do you get like a locker for life or anything? I got for a that? locker number eight. Now that really upsets me. How in the <laughs> hell I got locker number eight? It should have been number one. We got to talk to somebody. Got to talk yeah. to somebody. There's a guy named. Uh, Zach is a questionable character. Says he's the general manager. <laughs> We're going to talk to him about that, getting that number changed. Eight? Are you kidding me? Yeah, who got the first seven lockers? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, obviously, somebody's got a whole locker full of stuff in there. They need seven lockers, let alone my locker. Right. So, so speaking of lockers, what, what clubs do you keep in that locker? Or, well, or my favorite clubs, don't. right? I just bought a set of uh, uh, Titleist. Uh, 100s okay okay and, um, the the new titleist irons yeah the new titleist i can't keep track of the numbers you i know, can't either yeah. and i bought the uh i got the titleist driver uh, i got a ping seven wood and a ping three wood and i have uh a scotty cameron putter so what so based off of what you've said so far i'm i'm, I'm can i guess your handicap I'm yeah, gonna go say, ahead take a shot i'm gonna say you're a 6.7 6.7. Wow. Cool. Any other questions? <laughs> That's it. Thank you, John, for coming on. We appreciate it. Thanks for the time. <laughs> yeah, you get the accusation, uh, the, the, uh, the, the accusation out here. People don't like the, your handicap. They, they think you're sandbagging out here, Sheriff. Uh, I, I, it's like we're having a tournament tomorrow, and it was just a lucky draw. I happened to draw the assistant pro professional. I, it didn't have anything to do with me. It's I, not your fault. It's not my fault. That's right. So people will complain about that tomorrow. Okay, so if I'm playing in a net tournament, are you the guy I should be thinking about calling? Are you a good net well, yeah, player? I would think that if you have my number, I'd always be a good person for you to call. I love it. Hey, but if we're playing in a net event, there's a certain you know there's a certain phone call list that you want to call if there's a good net player. Are you saying you're a good net player? I am. One of the best net players out here. Oh, really? We'll just leave it at that. I love it. So you hosted World's Wildest Police Videos. That's right. For And I I, I have to start here because we played the clip and everybody, like the voice, everybody knows the intro. 
you were the sheriff in Multnomah County for many years. Mm-hmm. How, how did that transition? Like, how did you go from sheriff in Multnomah County to being a Hollywood star hosting a reality show? Well, um, <laughs> it was all by chance. Uh-huh. And, I mean, it was actually by chance. I was just in the right spot at the right time. Um, I was sitting in my office. I was a lieutenant, or excuse me, I was a sergeant in charge of the narcotic unit for the sheriff's office. And uh, <laughs> I got a call from a Hollywood producer who told me about this great idea for a television show he had. And would we be able, as an agency, to assist him in putting the show together? And I said, well, I don't think my sheriff is going to go for this at all. And he said, will you give it a try? And I said, okay. <laughs> so I went and talked to the sheriff. And the sheriff was a former Marine, big guy, six five, six six, very intimidating and I said, this is not going to work. And I kind of humbly went in there. And he said, yeah, John, that sounds like a good idea. Go do it. So they, this producer brought his crew up from uh, L.A. And they created this show. It was titled Cops. And uh, that was the way it started off. And I think where we were the first agency on Cops. And uh, uh, we did that for about two or three years. And it was getting close for me to retire, and uh, I had offered uh, been offered a show by ABC called American Detective, which ran for five years, which was very, I still think, the best reality TV show uh, ever. <laughs> and uh, that even made me more credible to the uh, viewing public, I guess it was. And uh, we created a show called World's Wildest Police Videos, which really took off. My yeah. God, this was before the all the videos you have today. I mean, that, this was something... 20 years ago, you say, wow, wow. Everything was wow. <laughs> right. Because it was right there on film. Wow. Now it's all over YouTube. You just go yeah. find whatever police video you want. But back then, this right. was your only avenue. And so I, I got hung up with these people. I, I formed a bond with them. And um, uh, my wife and I talked about it. We said, well, why don't you give it a try if you want to? Maybe you can get a movie or whatever. And sure enough, I got two movies right away. <laughs> I said, this, is, this gig is to kill for. This I mean, is easy, man. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? <laughs> A little bit easier than drug bust in East County. They give you this much money? (laughs) Are you kidding me? And so so it it sounds like it was just like one thing led to another. I mean, it was. And and it was one thing led to another. One successful show led to another successful show. But it was a a grind. Uh, We traveled around the world, literally. We did some specials for ABC uh, in Moscow, in Russia. And uh, uh, we literally went around the world filming uh, World's Wildest Police videos and getting videos from around the world. <laughs> and and what was it, Sheriff, about it that was particularly fun or interesting to you? Well, the best part about it was working with the police. You know, they're my people. Yeah. And, um, you know, I'd do everything I could possibly do to keep them well-fed and um, well-represented. Mm-hmm. The shows had to be representative of quality police work and... Uh, uh, it was fun. It was just being with the cops all the time. I retired. I thought, this is going to be boring. I'm adrenaline. I'll have a heart attack in a week because uh, I'm just sitting at home doing nothing. But the next thing I know, I'm in front of cameras. And the next thing I know, I'm in restaurants with famous people. And Some crazy. people retire and they go and play golf. You're like, no, I'm going to keep going even maybe well, faster yeah, than I was before. I, I think so. I went quite a bit faster. And uh, it was no stop. It was, it was like... Um, I'd come get home, and my wife would say, Polly, call. You better get a hold of him. I need you. And I'd call, and I'm in Portland, and he says, we got to get your stuff together. We're going to Rio de Janeiro. And I said, <laughs> well, okay, I'll be there at the airport in most of the time. Here we go. We're going off to another country. Yeah. But, you know, there's a good part and a bad part about that because my wife sometimes thinks I'm overly narcissistic, and uh, uh, I got spoiled. Wait, I'm not flying coach. Yeah, coach yeah. Come on, I mean, yeah. you know who I am here. Come on, can yeah, yeah, yeah. we can we you move know it how up many a little bit? I, said, like, I yeah. think I invented that. Do you know who I am? You, have you ever heard of me before? Have you heard <laughs> that? Does this voice sound familiar to you? <laughs> so, how does golf weave in and out of all? I've had the chance to play with you and see your beautiful swing. I've seen you out there on the links. Now, how, does is golf always I, a part you know, of this? Yeah, I'm not going to give you any more shots. You <laughs> had too many shots last time. <laughs> Hey, go ahead. What was your question? How, how does golf fit into this picture? Is it always a part of your life? Was it always. later on? As or ha- as I take my clubs with me as everywhere as you can. Win. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I can say that I'm the only one at Persimmon that's ever played the Moscow Country Club. I, I didn't uh, know they had a country club. Well, they have a country club. It's very nice, actually. Robert Trent Jones course. It's really? beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Nobody plays there. 
absolutely nobody. But it, it's, it's fun. It's like playing at um, what's Steve Wynn's course down at Shadow Creek in oh, Las yeah. Vegas. I mean, when you play there, nobody's out there on the course, just you and your two or three caddies they send with you. But Birds chirping and, and Birds Sheriff chirping John on the course. That's it. John on the course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so did you start playing as a kid? When it was a no, lifelong thing, or did you no, pick it up later in life? No, no. I yeah. was in a PE class. I was a junior, I think, in high school, and uh, there were some clubs laying on the ground, and we were waiting for the instructor came. I picked them up, and they started swinging them, but I thought, that well, these are swinging kind of odd. I don't understand this. Uh, he said, well, they're left-handed clubs. You're probably, you know, you'd probably swing like you, a baseball bat. You swing right-handed. <laughs> And I started swinging, and he says, gosh, you got a good swing. Why don't you come out for the golf team? And uh, no, I didn't think I could do that. And I didn't. I went out for the tennis team and Ted. But I've always liked golf. Uh, that that kind of kindred my spirit as far as being a, a golf fanatic, which I am. I, yeah. I, I read. I write. Uh, I, I do everything I can associated with golf. It consumes me quite a bit. <laughs> You'd think I have a higher handicap or lower handicap. And so when you when you first really got the bug, so to speak, was it in high school age? And then have you stuck yeah, with it since probably then? probably in high school, but I stopped when I was in college at yeah. uh, Oregon State. And uh, I didn't play any golf down there. Graduated from Oregon State and got a job working for the sheriff's office. That's when I started really playing golf because that their athletics are very important in the sheriff's office. We had an athletic association within the sheriff's office. You golf, <clears throat> running was big, of course. Uh, uh, baseball, softball, and sports like that. We played incessantly all the time. Bowling, <laughs> we had police bowling legs. Uh, and so did, were, were those set up just to give you guys kind of make sure that you keep your outside of work life balance kind of deal? Or? I think so. I think so. I think they kept you, kept you sane in, in some respects, you know. I mean, because some people think golf makes them insane, but for well, you, it kept you sane. Oh, no, it kept me sane. <laughs> That's good. I loved it. I, I like the camaraderie on the golf course, and I like the joking around sometimes to a, a fault. But uh, I love the golf course. There are a lot of things can happen on a golf course. You can meet new people that are involved in interesting sidelights and uh, people you. Uh, uh, get to you gravitate with or you end up going on golf trips you go up to like bend or something and you're up there for two or three days and it's, <laughs> it just feels good yeah now what's more nerve-wracking a drug bust in east county or standing over a birdie putt uh well probably me standing over a birdie putt <laughs> i would say yeah i'd be honest with you and say standing over a birdie putt <laughs> yeah yeah what are the other because I, I you know it's funny when we we play golf there was some that you told me that it's like that's right I'd forgotten about that so you have the the reality TV show career obviously but that spawns into movies and uh-huh. and, and and big time like you know Bad Santa I don't know if people remember that what are some of the other movie and TV shows that you did classic Bad Santa it's a great movie it's an all timer uh, another one called Ghost World with Steve Buscemi and Scarlett Johansson <laughs> which was really a favorite of mine because I got to actually touch Scarlett Johansson hey whoo. Is she as pretty in person as she is on TV? Yeah, prettier. You know, she's married to that guy from Saturday Night Live. I can't remember what his name is. Yeah, Yeah. Colin Jost. Colin, he doesn't doesn't deserve her. No. She's beautiful. But uh, Bad Santa was really fun to do. Part of the the best part about doing a movie is just hanging out with the crew and the the stars of the flick, you know, whatever. And and just, they want to hear John. Tell us about how many guys have you killed? Oh, God. That kind of stuff. Just like kids in grade school want to know how right, many guys right. you pulled your gun on somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we need some details here. Oh. And so when you're in these movies, are they are, are you playing like yourself? as a? Are you playing a sheriff or are you playing a different character? Oh, yeah. I'm always a sheriff. <laughs> Family guy. I still get uh, residuals from it. It's kind of funny. People kid me here because sometimes I'll bring my residual over to pay a golf debt and i've been getting them for so freaking long that of course the residuals are decreasing and decreasing in value decreasing in value now they're down to one cent wow some shows one cent send you a cent for the for a check of one a yeah. one penny check the, yeah, the so. postage is 65 cents and the check is yeah it really makes sense doesn't yeah. it? but the guys everybody's got to have a banel check you know you got to have a check 
I love it. What's the craziest, before we let you go, what's the craziest arrest story you can tell us on the air? Oh, boy. Uh, actually, there, there's, there's craziest. Within uh, three-wood distance from here is a guy I used to arrest all the time. Uh, he was a drug dealer, major drug dealer. Oh, yeah, I know what you're. T- yeah, uh, yeah, I've heard uh, that story. Yeah, well, that was pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think that craziest stuff. Uh, there's so many crazy things that I, I can't. I don't want to really. Uh, there's some crazy things with people like uh, Scarlett Johansson. People like uh, <laughs> Paris Hilton, uh, Cameron Diaz. Drew Barrymore. You notice they're all women. I get, I get, I'm sensing a theme here. I'm sensing the theme, a theme from the sheriff. Yeah. Well, just, it's just being in that atmosphere, you meet those, those people, you know? Yeah. And sometimes you sit there and you'll pinch yourself. So I got, I got to ask though, cause okay. I, I grew up actually dirt and I both did in uh, East Moreland in Southeast Portland. Mm-hmm. And when we were in high school, there used to be, I mean, I never attended any of these, but there were, of course there not, were, never. there were parties that on the third tee box at East Moreland golf course. Yes. I didn't know if, you know, drug dealer around here. That's pretty insane. But it's a little bit bigger than a keg on a on a yeah. golf course. Yeah. A little bit of a bigger. You fish don't want to. Wanna, you don't want to get involved with golf courses if I'm involved because. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, I'd be scared shitless. Yeah, because you're going down. Yeah, I, I'm intimidated you're right on, now. You're, you're on the way to the big home, big house. <laughs> but so, like when 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 parties like you know just kids being kids on a golf course sometimes you don't really know what's going on right i mean if there's a if there's really? a party on a golf Seriously, course Seriously, you don't really know <laughs> yeah, we're just hanging out what we're, kind of excuse is that a little bit of night <laughs> golf out there sheriff we're really just come on we're just hanging out outside <laughs> i don't mind <laughs> that's a normal thing to do for yes. 17 year olds isn't it sure. <laughs> dirt and i were choir, every, choir every, boys. every kid i have ever known in my life has done that yeah. you know has vandalized a golf course or sold drugs on a a golf course that happens to be Occupied by the sheriff of Multnomah County, who, right. who is death on drugs anyway, is going to take you down hard. Little did you know, you're going to be on your way to the big house. <laughs> the next thing know. I know, I'm on world's wildest police videos. Next thing you, you know, know, you're on world's wildest police. This videos. doesn't end well for me. I don't like it. Well, sheriff, hey, it's been great to get to know you here at Persimmon. We've had some fun on the course, and thanks for coming on the podcast, man. Uh, it's been my pleasure. I just want to say one thing, though. <laughs> what do you got, Zach and Shanley? Will take care of you if you ever came out here. Our pro and our okay. general manager. I hope that uh, anybody listening out there that never played Persimmon, give me a call, give me a shout, call Persimmon, give me your name, I'll get you out here. I'll tell you, he's a, he's a hoot to play with people, so call up Sheriff John and he'll, he'll take you out on the course. I love it. And I, I, I'm sorry I didn't tell you my handicap. I just can't remember. <laughs> I don't believe you. Which, you know, you're, you know, you're like, a, like a 20, maybe. We'll, we'll go oh, 20. Yeah, you're yeah. Somewhere in there. You know, it's not that important. Yeah, right? who cares? Who needs to know that information? That's important. Give the man some strokes, all right? There you yeah. go. Sheriff John Bunnell. All right, rolling on here on the Grip City Golf Podcast. Excited for this one. I don't know if it's possible to go from one end of the spectrum to the other more than we are, but from Sheriff John Bunnell to the Director of Instruction here at Persimmon Country Club, Chad Fribley, before we get to anything else, we got got a million things I want to ask you, (laughs) but we only have so much time, so we got to hurry up through this. Uh, we got to start where we start with everybody, and that is what's your handicap, what's your home course, and uh, what clubs are in your bag? Oh, great question. Uh, handicap right now, I still have a plus 2.7. So that's been maintained, even though even though I normally only get out about once or twice a month, I've maintained a plus two something or other for last five, six years or so. So yeah, plus 2.7. How does that work? So, like, obviously, I've never been in that world before. Not quite in the <laughs> so, plus so does that mean that you are giving a stroke or you're, yeah, you're giving a stroke on the two easiest holes? Uh, or the two highest handicap holes, I should say. It, so, like well, on seventeen and eighteen handicap, you got to make a birdie to make a net par. Yeah, so it's kind of the opposite of your your normal net event. You you know, if you're a ten handicap, you get a stroke on the ten hardest holes. Yeah, so I'm giving shots back on the three to four easiest holes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like I just played played an event with some guys on on the fourth of July, some neighbors and stuff. We played. Uh, Whale Valley and had to get back four shots on the four easiest holes out there. <laughs> so yeah, your partner's always like that. It's like, hey, nice par net bogey. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate that. Well, at that at that oh, level, yeah. you probably don't play in a lot of net tournaments, but sometimes no. you, you <laughs> do. So. Yeah, and and in general, I mean, the easiest way to look at the handicap stuff is is you're looking at you take like what the course rating is, 
and then you add or subtract based off the course rating, not necessarily what the par is, but the, more the course rating. So yeah. it gets very complicated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. so you're not a good match play partner in net format. I'm just going to keep that in mind. That's good to remember. So uh, where's your home course and what, what's in your bag right now? Uh, God, home course. Well, typically I would have said prior to moving here to Persimmon Country Club, uh, my home course where I'm listed at is Rose City Golf Club. Okay. Um, I've played out there with the men's club probably for 15 plus years. And One of the stronger men's clubs in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have a, quite a history out there. Yeah. And so I kind of got in playing some of the weekly game. I mean, they have a game almost every day of the week yeah. that you can play. So play, it's the type of place where you can be gone like I would playing tours, be gone for six months and come back, and it's the same storyline, same guys, same <laughs> everything. It's like, Nothing's well, changed, I didn't, didn't yeah. miss anything. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then currently golf clubs right now, I am using um, – Clubs provided from a company in Seattle. You guys might have heard of them as Redbird Sports. Yeah, heard of They're them. now, the new name is Jeffmont. Um, so it's kind of the combination of uh, Jefferson Park and I think Montgomery or something, two public courses in Seattle. So they're kind of a, a new rebranding name. But, Interesting, um, okay. They've gone, uh, if, if anybody hasn't checked them out in a while, they're very high-end custom type stuff, very kind of this boutique-y type thing that everybody's doing these days. So how do you spell that for our listeners? Uh, so it would be Jeffmont, J-E-F-F-M-O-N-T, hmm. or you could probably also find them under Redbird Sports. Wow. Yeah, and so they have three different models of irons, uh, fairway woods driver, wet wedges have some great grinds on them and stuff like that, but it's, it's the type of stuff, if you're looking for some really, like, almost one-off type stuff just for you, it's very, very custom fit. The weighting, up, I mean, high-end parts, high-end components because it's small batch, sure. tight, tight production tolerances. That's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, I didn't even know that was, this is, like, all news to me. This is, yeah. this is fun. Well, yeah. we get we get gearheads that tweet us or talk to us about equipment stuff, and Dirt and I are more just, like, you know, crack the Coors Light and, pl- and you know, we got our clubs. <laughs> it's a Saturday thrilled. on the course. Yeah. Having a great, got the music but people playing, get super into golf yeah. equipment, and so when now that perks my ears for when people talk about a brand that I've never heard of. I'm, I'm all of a sudden interested, so I'll have to yeah. check that out. Yeah, well, I have got stuff right outside. We'll have to Sweet. look at I'm it. Take yeah. a little peek. So, I, I mean, golfers obviously all want to improve, so I do have, like, instructions questions for sure. you but i, I want including to just, yourself including right? myself <laughs> you know yeah can we get a free lesson here in the next yeah. 10 minutes how does this work out no but i mean you have such a cool we were just kind of talking about it before we started recording you got a, a good tradition of golf in the northwest of growing up in the area mm-hmm. playing in the area and you're still playing to this day so for you know just a, a little background kind of what's the wikipedia page look like for chad of, of how you got into golf and how this has played out oh man there, do we have enough time for all that uh <laughs> Uh, no, it's kind of like a lot of kids. Uh, we, my family and I, we moved here to, uh, Tualatin in 1984. Uh, I was about eight years old. We joined Tualatin Country Club. Great track. Um, yeah. Love it. Typical of a lot of the old school courses in the area. Very tree lined, small, yeah. good greens, things like that. Um, we, my dad was the guy, you know, work hard all week, go out, play on Saturdays with the same guys. I'd, where's dad going? All right. So I started tagging along, yeah. started doing caddying for him, start driving the cart, start playing, get into it. And again, ended up with uh, a lot of kids in our neighborhood that were about the same age out there playing. And so got into a good junior program out there. Um, so grew up all the time playing at Tualatin, went to Tigard High and Tualatin High. Uh, we were the first graduating class from Tualatin and finished third in state the first two years of the school. From there, went on to New Mexico State University for college. They have a actual, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, they have a what's called a PGM program. Yeah. So it's an association with the PGA of America. You get to go through, get a four-year degree at the same time you're working on your PGA credentials. Too. That's one of the OG PGM programs, yes, isn't it? one of the four originals. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So now there's, I don't know, there's 20-something schools now, so... That was, at the time, the one that was the farthest west in the country. And obviously the best weather. The other ones were, like, in Michigan and Penn State and uh, (laughs) somewhere else. It's like, man, you're not golfing in the wintertime up there. So did you go to New Mexico State for the PGM program? And then you walked onto the golf team? Is that what it was? Yeah, that's correct. I went – I was a lost teenager growing up. Didn't know what I wanted to do. For like a, everybody for Come a on. living. Yeah. Who's not? So it's like my, my parents actually found that program. Like, Hey, here's a program. You can go to school and you're in college and doing that, but you're also doing golf stuff. You're doing internships or all over the country in the summer. Where'd you uh, intern? 
so I actually came home for a number of them. I did an internship at Blackbeat Ranch, uh, at the Reserve, um, Waverly. Um, one that I did go away for, I went to the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. Mm. So that was that was a pretty great experience up there. Uh, I had one that I was set up to do Barton Creek in Austin, Texas, and ended up, unfortunately, uh, things on my end didn't work out to go to that one for a summer, so I ended up back home. But What a cool college yeah. experience, man. Like, if yeah. I had known about the PGM program as a high school senior, because like you're saying, like, you don't really know what you want to do, but mm -hmm. you're eager and you love golf. Yeah. Like, there's not a lot of sports, yeah. if any, where you can attach a college degree with a sports passion, right? And yeah. if you can match both those up and go to school down in a sunny state like that, it must have been pretty fun. Well, I mean, again, and not to get too far offline, but they've got such great programs now with all of these universities around the country. Uh, this uh, one host family I stayed with uh, in my travels in uh, Iowa, They're both their sons went to uh, the PGM program at University of Nebraska. And the uh, one son, he's had some great internships. He's got a great career um, as a head pro out, out in Minnesota now at one of the more famous courses out there that I always forget the name of. His younger brother's still in the program and doing his internships. He just came off um, a six-month internship at Memorial for Jack Nicholas's club. And wow. tough to follow that up, right? <laughs> right. It's like there's the upper echelon. Well, I mean, yeah, his – older brother was working at San Francisco golf club and doing that stuff. And now, yeah. So he goes from, um, he just finished his six month internship, uh, earlier this year at Memorial. Well, he followed that up. He's doing a nine month at Augusta. Wow. So they're getting, they, they're getting all the properties in on these programs. So it's a great place to go. And I mean, he's set for whatever job he wants when he comes out of the program. That's so, insane. So you, yeah. so you graduate from New Mexico state, and then you launch into your, your golf career. Did you play a lot, or were, were you more thinking the teaching route? Uh, definitely not thinking the teaching route at the time. I was still, still had the passion and the desire to play professionally and try and get to the PGA Tour. Um, but obviously, we all know that's such a long shot, and you got to pay some bills along the way. <laughs> so I started working right away. I, I ended up... Uh, turning down a job offer at Pinehurst coming out of school and ended up instead, uh, I ended up out at, out in Hawaii at Kapalua for two years as an assistant pro. Not a bad place to be. Yeah, first you know, job out of school, right. hanging out in Maui for yeah. two years. And so, the yeah, GM so, now yeah. there, Alex Nakajima, is a Oregon duck. He played at oh, Oregon. He really? yeah. Yeah, he's the GM at Kapalua. They've had a lot. I mean, there's a number of guys. There's, um, uh, I can't remember Jason's last name. He's the head pro over at Gearhart. He was out there at Kapalua at the same time. Yeah, Bang, Bang Guild. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, so he's from, he's through that connection. Todd O'Neill at Broken Top is, is put in multiple stints out there. <laughs> Todd's actually the one that referred me and got me, helped get me in the door out there. But Coplew was great because I had met Todd O'Neill, who's, I think, director of instruction at Broken Top now. He said, hey, if you want to work on your game, but work on the business side of the same, while you're doing it at the same time, he said, Coplew is great. You go out there, you work six days a week because you either work six to noon or noon to six. There's a big skins game every afternoon, and you just go play six days a week. A lot like, of good players. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's <laughs> and a, so they're and they're locals, obviously, right? A or, lot of locals. Well, and again, Coppola at the time had three golf courses and a driving range, so we had twenty something professionals on staff. Wow. Plus the other pros on the island. So I mean, you'd get forty people in this big game every day, and it was it was great. It's I mean, it's a legendary kind of game in the islands. And so I went over there and. Yeah, did the PGA thing, but I was playing six days a week, and Hawaii is by far the hardest conditions I've played in. So for development of my game, it really helped because um, you gotta you gotta flight the ball in the wind. You're playing uphill, downhill, side hill, all over the place. Mm. Playing Bermuda grass, right? It's the worst of everything. So <laughs> yeah, so from there, uh, I ended up uh, moving from there up to Seattle. Family friend uh, was running a head pro at a course at Trophy Lake Golf and Casting Club. He brought me in up there. I was there shortly before moving over to golf club at Newcastle. I was the tournament director there. And while I was there, I met a member and started playing a lot with him. And he said, man, you got to get out of here and go play. And so things kind of things kind of fell in place. And so I packed up, went down to Palm Springs and started playing on uh, the Hooters tour, had a summer series out in Palm Desert, Palm Springs area in the summertime. 
Cool. So that started the started the ten year playing career. You got to just take the leap, right? I mean, there's never a perfect answer. It's <laughs> like, and that and that's kind of like the good and the bad about about playing professionally is that there's so many opportunities and and you can do it at different ages. You know, you think about like like say professional basketball. There's pretty much like that window of time that once you're out of it, it's game over and you you go yeah. off to something you else. Maximize with, your years when you're yeah, 19 to 25. Well, and there's yeah. not that many opportunities to play professionally in the United States in basketball. Whereas with golf, there's all these different outlets. And, yeah. and sometimes that can be challenging because guys try to ride that wave for a long time. And it's just a really hard life. Right. I mean, it, it is, you know, and I'm, I'm one of those guys with my golf game. I've just, I'm a, I'm more of a grinder. I've had to work at it my whole, my whole life. I've like, we were talking about earlier, I was not the best high school player. I was just kind of average, but it turned out it was a little bit above average, but I just kept going, kept trying to learn. I, I'm really driven by just, just trying to be as good as I can be. And that's carried me to where I am now. Um, and, and it led me to, you know, playing mini tours full time for 10 years and surviving doing that. And that's not not the glamour lifestyle everybody thinks. It's <laughs> sure. it's a little worse than probably minor league baseball. Uh, I mean, if you miss cuts, you're not getting paid, and and you're spending you know fifteen hundred dollars a week in expenses, and money adds up quick. And I never had a lot of a lot of great help and sponsors other than my family, um, but I made enough to keep keep struggling on. You know, I'd spend winters caddying in Palm Desert to fund some things, but. Um, uh, you know, made it, made a go of it. Still want to make go of it. I'm still trying, even working on my own game now. I'm trying to learn new shots. I'm trying to prepare for things to try for the senior tour, uh, and and that leads me to just having more experiences to share with students as well. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so when did when did the transition come for you to take on that bigger teaching mantle? Like, how long has this been something that you've been? I'm sure it's always been probably a part of it, but when was the when was the big adjustment made for you? Uh, it was about six years ago. Um, so along my travels, I met my I met my wife about 15 years ago when was when I was doing mini tours. Uh, she's originally from the Bay Area. Uh, we kind of came to a point about 2011 when she was wrapping up her schooling. Uh, she wanted to either settle down in Portland around my home or around her home in the Bay Area. So we ended up in the Bay Area, and I just said, "Man, I can't I can't cover bills and live in the Bay Area if I'm going to keep doing mini tours." So I got back into the golf business side of things, working at a course in Napa Valley. And, um, that was an a typical assistance type thing. Um, but then along came kids a few years later and it's like, wow, okay. Assistant pro bills aren't, aren't cutting it for daycare down here. So I'm going to become a stay at home dad. Then shortly after that, my wife had the opportunity actually to move her job and her practice up here to the Portland area. I said, man, I'm game. We'll go back home. That's cool. I know what's going on. So we came up here and I was just, I took my son over to, um, over to a uh, golf course on the west side of town and stopped into the driving range and talked to him and said, Hey, you guys hiring by chance? And they're like, yeah, we're looking for an inst instructor. I'm like, all right, cool. I, well, here's my experiences. So I ended up, uh, yeah, I ended up over there at Redtail for, uh, six years teaching full time. And I absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. I mean, it's a couple things, uh, for those that have been in the golf business as a typical assistant pro, I mean, we might have a day on a busy day, even here at Persimmon, they might see 200 customers come through the golf shop. That's a lot of people to take care of. I now have to, I, on a busy day, I take care of 10. I can give people a lot more time and attention and really control their experiences through golf a lot more. Especially in instruction where follow-up is important too, yeah. of like, hey, it's not just now, but it's like, hey, what are we going to talk about or do next time? Yeah, right? Absolutely. So that that was great, uh, you know, doing that and getting into that world and and really, you know, I, I think I have a unique uh, experience and skill set compared to a lot of instructors. Uh, you know, I've got experiences doing high end caddying at various clubs in in Palm Desert area. I've got the high end playing experience, um, and now and then my experience just in working in golf and now teaching. So, um, just sharing a lot of those secrets and experiences that I have from, from caddying and playing. I, I know a lot of people are hesitant to do it. I don't know if it's a, it's a pride and ego thing. If it's a narcissistic thought of, I, I know my swing, I can figure it out. But as somebody who's clearly been on both sides of it as a player trying to improve and as a teacher and instructor, I, this is a very generic question, but what are some of the main benefits that you think players get out of teaching? If, if somebody's scared to go into that realm of, Oh God, I don't know if I can change my entire swing. What are the benefits of it? Well, I think I think a big thing um, for anybody trying to get better and improve 
really any aspect of their life is is we see uh, again you look at any other sports is these guys build a team of people around them a support system so a good teaching professional or or a coach is a, a lot of us like to go by you know a coach is more than a teaching professional a coach is we're we're doing mental stuff we're doing the mental game and and so uh, i'm i'm I envision it more as uh, it's it's a relationship. It's a team. I'm there to support and offer the words of confidence, and it's that positive self-talk and yeah. self-belief that you're installing. You're not always changing swing stuff, but it's just, you know, e- even for a PGA Tour player, their coach is largely standing there telling them, hey, that looks great. That looks good. Keep doing that. You're the man. <laughs> right. You know, pumping their confidence up because we can do crazy things when our mind is in the right place. So <laughs> and bad things when it's in the wrong. Yeah, place. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Go the other way quickly. I know that. Chad, I'm curious how how has has golf instruction or coaching, as you alluded, how has it changed uh, over the years since you kind of got started, cool. and, and then also how is it the same? You know, I'm just curious because there's got to be some fundamentals that of instruction and coaching too that are the same as it's always been, but then there's a lot of parts that are a lot different too. I'm mean, certainly technology and the access to video and things is, is one thing I would imagine, but what are some of the others? Yeah. Well, I mean, the technology thing, that's, that's a big part of it. I mean, in my, in my 40 years playing golf, I've, I've lived in that generation that has gone from basic um, frame by frame photos and golf digest to <laughs> Remember, remember those like that, like devil page yeah, spread of like. Yeah, I have those all over my yeah. wall. You've gone from that to uh, high speed or slow motion video, um, to now getting into uh, all the launch monitor data, pressure pressure mapping, and things like that. Um, so a lot more technology has come on board. That can be good and bad. Uh, when it comes down to playing, that stuff all goes out the window. It's about putting the ball in the hole and being more athletic. And I think um, with all the data out there, the, the videos, the, um, the launch monitor data, the pressure mats and things like that, um, again, there's a lot of good information you can learn out there, but you can get lost in it really, really easy. And it can be very overwhelming. And it, you know, so sometimes just getting back to the basics, like, you know, Hogan talked about digging it out of the dirt. Sometimes you just got to go start beating balls. Yeah. Figure it out. How tough is it too in an industry where there's so many influences social media wise? I, I that would be frustrating. I would imagine of people coming to you saying, "I watched an Instagram video and this guy <laughs> told me to do this," or "I saw a slow motion of Rory McIlroy swing and all I need to do is keep my club head in front of my body a little bit longer." Like that's got to be a frustrating part of teaching. I would imagine it. It is. You know, there is no there is no one perfect swing, um, and and most of us are not flexible enough and. And our bodies, you know, through work and other things are not in a position to swing like a tour professional. But even if you go to a tour event and you line these guys up, you're going to see 140 slightly different ways to swing a club. What they have in common, though, is impact. They are controlling how that club, the direction that club is traveling through impact, the type of contact they want and where the club face points. Well, if we can do that, again... Who cares what the swing looks like getting there <laughs> right. as long as the club goes through? I mean, look at Jim Furyk. Yeah, that's he's the got, first name I was picturing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's got our, one of the craziest swings on tour. The dude has – Double the, overlap. He <laughs> has two. Uh, he has the two lowest scores in golfing history. Yeah. He shot 58. a 58 and a 59, yeah. but he gets it done. But his impact position looks like so many of the other guys. So if you took a picture of that, that or uh, a slow-mo video of that impact position, of basically just like the six inches before the impact and six inches after – you think that it's probably pretty consistent from Tony Finau to Jim Furyk? Yes. Yeah, I mean, you're, and then the, the numbers data back it up. I mean, you know, you're going to have X amount of weight, you know, 80%, 90% of your weight on your left foot or your forward foot. You're creating X amount of shaft lean and de-lofting the club head. You're, the big thing, hitting ball first, then ground for balls that are played off the ground. Um, and, and basically you're getting the left side body joints all in line. Um, so very, a lot of similarities, but there's going to be subtle differences in how they get there based on arm length, shoulder movement, you know, what, what your flexibility level is and things like that. But if you can get into a solid impact position, you can, you can hit a ball. Do you also have like dirt alluded to, you know, people looking at something on social media and saying, Hey, I should, I should do this. And you kind of have to maybe talk them off a little bit. (laughs) I would imagine also just in today's society, it seems like we want what we want faster Mm -hmm. than we used to want it. Mm -hmm. Right. Do you get people that want to go from a 12 to a four and, and you have to kind of like 
kind of bring them back down to earth of like, hey, it's a little bit longer process? Yeah, you definitely have a lot of expectation management. Um, and and like, like some of the lessons I just did today, you know, with some of the changes we made, it's like making sure they understand it's okay to fail right now. You're going, this is the miss hit you're going to hit. You know, you might top the ball a little bit, but we're seeing it doing, we're seeing differences. We're seeing the ball curve the opposite way, whatever. You know, we learn more through failure than we do success. But again, a lot of expectation management laying out that, again, the number one thing everybody wants to do is be more consistent. Consistency is building a process over time. You can't get consistency yeah. in one one-hour session with somebody. Yeah. So it's, it's checking in and doing things and building a process over time. Well, I know we got to let you go. You got a million things to do today, so I don't <laughs> want to keep you too long. You, we know how busy your schedule is. I asked on Twitter, though, for a couple of questions for you, and I thought some of these were, I'll just throw two at you because they were kind of funny. So what, somebody asked, what do, you, what do you do after you have a bad round and you feel like you've lost your swing? <laughs> uh, that, was, that was always good. I mean, there were days playing mini tours. You might be playing two weeks straight, and all of a sudden you wake up and feel like, you, how do I hold the club today? Yeah, you're just like totally lost. Uh, well, again, you know, when you, have, when you have bad days or bad holes, again, that's where you go back to your, you got to have a solid foundation. What, what, are the, what are my absolutes that I believe in in golf? For me, it's swinging a club in the same direction, controlling a club face, creating the contact I want. Okay, well, usually when I have a bad day, one of those variables is off, so I go back to those foundations, and within those foundations, I have certain drills that I go through and do. And so I, I really recommend, you know, having a notebook, writing down these drills and these thoughts that you work on. Can you turn them into things that you score so you can see, is my score improving over time? Uh, but again, going, just going back to your foundations, and for a lot of people that ends up being simple things like ball position, grip, alignment, yeah. posture, you know, uh, uh, just the, the core basics. The, 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 the easy, the routine stuff that you got to yeah. do every round. Somebody also asked, uh, how, how do you bounce back mentally after a horrible shot or a horrible series of shots? What's going through your mind? How do you bounce back mentally? Well, that's where they always talk about. You got to have a short, short-term memory. <laughs> and, and that's biggest thing is just having, if you have a really solid, good pre-shot routine, you go back and really lock in on that routines to bring you back into the present. Folks, how can I hit this shot at hand? This could, this next shot could be the greatest shot of my life. Even if you're in the trees, this could be the greatest recovery shot I've ever hit in my life. You know, how often do you hit a blind shot where you can't see the green and it's the best shot you've ever hit? You know, cause it's just, you just let it go and you just reacted to what was going on, but you just got to get back into, back into the process and back into the present. Yeah. Well, you're following the dream, and uh, I hope to see you on the senior tour someday. <laughs> so keep keep up the good work, and thanks so much for hopping on the pod, man. This is a lot Absolutely. of fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, that'll do it. Episode 22 here. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. want to thank again Sheriff John Bunnell, Chad Fribley for hopping on, uh, and, and our wonderful host here at Persimmon Country Club for letting us host the uh, podcast out here today. A beautiful view looking out at Mount Hood. You can't beat that while recording a golf podcast. And a uh, quick reminder for everybody, Monday, August 7th, we hope to see you out here at Persimmon for our tournament with the Northwest Golf Guys. Uh, spots are starting to fill up fast. The deadline to sign up here is in a couple of weeks, so make sure you get that done. The link, you can find it on our social uh, social media page at Grip City Golf or just go to northwestgolfguys.com. The event will show up there for Monday, August 7th. And uh, if you haven't played one of their tournaments, I can't recommend them enough. They're a ton of fun payouts for all different, you know, handicaps and different flights and all that for for low gross, low net. There's a skins game you can enter, KPs, long drives. They're, they're really the best tournaments in the area. So if you've been looking to, to kind of get out and, and see how you can do in some competitive golf or maybe you played in them before, uh, either way, we hope to see you out here on Monday, August 7th. And I uh, hope everybody had a great 4th of July. The golf games are going strong. And I want to give a quick reminder to everybody, you know, I'm obviously a member out here at Persimmon and uh, we thank them for the partnership, not only with the podcast, but with the tournament coming up. So if you're looking for a club to join, you're looking for a place to uh, get some easier access to tee times, great facilities, great practice facility, beautiful views. Uh, it's hard to beat this this course. And I'll tell you, if you're you know been contemplating the private golf route and wondering, is that a you know kind of a, pl a path for me? You're not going to find a better deal than what they have to offer at Persimmon. They got some incredible deals going on right now. Like if you join with a friend, hardly any down payment, the dues on a monthly basis, uh, more than pay for themselves as long as you're playing, you know, four rounds of golf a month, which I would imagine for most of you is pretty easy to do. So uh, once I joined, I, I never look back. I was looking to play golf tomorrow, and good luck finding a public tee time on a, on a Saturday. We're recording this on a Friday. Good luck finding a public tee time. Logged on to the 4Ts app. There it was. There was hardly anybody playing from like 1.30 to 3.00. 
jumped on a tea time for me and my wife. So uh, now that I've gone this route, it's hard for me to turn around. So if you're looking for a a place to play and a place to join, I'd love for you to come be a member with me out here at Persimmon Country Club. And if you're looking for a great chance to try out the course, you can play in that Northwest Golf Guys event with us uh, coming up on Monday, August 7th. If you got any questions on membership, hit me up, hit Samantha up, hit Zach up. They got a great staff out there. Uh, Give them a call, send them an email, and they'll give you all the information you need. But uh, that will do it for us here, episode 22. Thanks so much, as always, for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to give us a follow on social media, at Grip City Golf on Twitter, and uh, to like and download, subscribe to the podcast so you make sure you get that new episode dropping straight to your phone every single time we release one. Uh, Can't thank you enough for the support and listening. And until next time, go low, everybody. I hit it hard, man. Somehow I just keep on playing through So